your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackSidewalks.com. Joe McCann back here again with Phil Bush. Phil, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, I did. I ate food. I watched sports. I got a dog. You know, your typical Thanksgiving week. (laughs) Well, that last one's kind of a big one. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, welcome, Boomer, to the Marquette fan club uh, and to the family. He's... uh, He's the goodest boy right now, though he does. It would be more appropriate if this was an Oklahoma basketball podcast. That's true. But, that uh, is true. That but, is true. But welcome, Boomer, nonetheless. Yes. Um, so uh, I had a good Thanksgiving as well. Uh, Marquette's Feast Week had its highs and lows, but came out of it at 2-1, and one, which is, I guess, what we kind of hoped for. We were maybe hoping for 3-0 and oh last week, but we're going to talk about the week that was. And also, we really wanted to get this podcast out to you as soon as possible. It was a busy weekend, of course, with the holiday, but we did want to at least get this out before what is a big week for Marquette basketball. We're going to talk about that later with Baylor and Wisconsin. But one thing I do want to say off the top, we'll maybe touch on it again later, uh, let's pack the five serve forum on Tuesday if we can, folks. Uh, it is not often that a top ten team and a comes former to... national championship, like within right a, a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, it comes to Milwaukee in the non-con. Yeah, we've had Villanova come to uh, the five serve forum every year since we joined the Big East, but the opportunity to see a top ten non-conference opponent at five serve forum doesn't happen too much. Uh, so. Please, pack that place. Get it in there. And uh, so we're just going to give our evaluation of where the team are. Because, Phil, last week, one thing we kind of, when we were wrapping the pod last week, we were saying we kind of want some teams to emerge nationwide and hope to really learn something about Marquette, right? Because uh, up in entering last week, three blowout wins over bi-level opponents. And then, of course, the tough loss at Purdue, who, by the way, is now top five in the country. So that game looks a lot better, that although in some ways you kind of well wish... pretty instantly, right? Yeah, it, it, it's like a mixed bag. Like, you, it looks better that you played them and lost to them, but you really wish you could have finished that yeah. one off. But nevertheless, uh, it's if you're going to lose to somebody, it's good to lose somebody in the top five. But what you wanted to see with two games against power conference opponents, Phil, on a neutral floor. We were hoping to learn something about Marquette, and I'll just start it there. What did you learn about Marquette last week? Um, I, I think we learned that the defense is overall pretty pretty real, and the team has some really strong contributors, but maybe not enough strong contributors to be consistently good. Maybe not, but you know, I, I first will agree with your definitely your first point. Defense top fifty in the country on Ken Palm, so that's good. Hopefully, to keep climbing there. Uh, the number we kept spitting out last year was that Shaka had a top forty defense every year since his second or third year at VCU. Now, last year's team didn't quite get there. Last year's Marquette team was fifty five in the country uh, in defensive efficiency on Ken Palm, but I, I tend to agree, and that passes the eye test too the metric about Marquette's defense because I do think they do bring a very strong defensive effort night in and night out and we really saw that in the Mississippi State game the problem was Mississippi State brought just as good a defense perhaps better I think they are actually now top 10 in the country in defensive efficiency so we got to look at what a great defense 
can do to Marquette, and it wasn't pretty. I mean, that Mississippi State game on Monday was a rock fight. Um, Marquette still almost pulled it out, but um, really would have loved to have that one. And But I also, agreeing with your second point, Phil, it just seems like maybe there's a little piece missing offensively to maybe really crank expectations up just a little bit. I'm not saying we're going to crank them up a lot this year, but just to, to maybe get me believing that this can be a real tournament team, there just seems to me be missing a little something offensively. offensively. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think the Mississippi State um, loss will, will age well. I think Mississippi State will be a very good defensive team all season and, and will will beat some teams, so I don't think that's going to end up being a bad loss. I, I no. do I do wish we had seen much like the Purdue game um, that that game was winnable in the last five to seven minutes of the game. But but again, I think it, that it was, you know, that's where we don't have per se a go to score. Right. I think we have scoring options. But if you absolutely 100 percent need a bucket I don't know that we have someone, and in fact, we have a couple of someones that may do the opposite sometimes, right? They may press yeah. too hard. They may they may go for a shot they shouldn't, you know, settle for a shot they shouldn't, etc. And that that is of concern. Yeah the 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 thing that seems one thing that seems to be missing is Marquette has these long stretches where they go five plus minutes without a field goal. And last year, it seemed like Daryl Morcell was the cure-all for that. It's like, just get a bucket. It would be Morcell who would like fight his way yeah, through traffic. Yeah, he did the, the bully ball kind of thing. Exactly. And, and Justin Lewis was another option there. But it, it felt like when the team was really starving offensively, it's just like, let's get it to Morcell and just get one bucket so we can reset the defense, right? Set up the uh, whatever press market was running and – just breathe a minute, as opposed to brick. Oh, got to run down the floor. Brick, got to run down the floor. Turnover. Uh, let's get back. Right, because that when that happens over and over again, the team gets more and more deflated. The other team gets confidence, and you just wonder when it's ever going to end. And there were some long stretches like that. Um, it certainly in the Mississippi State game and the Purdue game as well. Really, quite frankly, in the Chicago State game, yes. sometimes there were some. Uh, maybe touch on that a little bit. The Chicago, but. The, yeah, the, the 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 cure for the struggling offense, I'm not sure, is quite there. Um, David Joplin had a pretty quiet week. As much as we've hyped him up in the previous two podcasts, it wasn't his best week last week. Tyler Kolick still is mostly uh, great uh, all around. I mean, he brings great energy defensively. Uh, he's one of the nation's leaders in assists. The shot is coming around. Uh, it's getting there, uh, but it's still not to the the guy who need who can get us a bucket when we really need one. He's not quite at that level yet. Uh, Cam Jones is an electric scorer who can score in bunches. Uh, Shaka had called him out a few times for those long balls. He, I think he's getting better though, Phil. I I, I want to say um, I didn't notice quite as many holy crap. <laughs> yeah, bombs there, from there, there Cam were Jones not, last week. There were not as many as I have termed Kate and Reinhardt specials. Um, yes, you know. Uh, uh, the, and, go ahead. No, I was. Gonna, there was definitely one point in the Georgia Tech game where he fired one, and then 
Shock immediately pulled him. Yes. And then there was also a notable moment in the Chicago State game when Marquette had just taken the lead and Cam had a wide-open 30-footer, but instead of firing it, he just pump-faked, drove to the basket, got an easy two, and extended the lead to three. I thought that it was a little thing, but it was a little moment that I thought showed that Cam got the message. Yes. Yeah, I, and, and I and I think that's always going to happen, right? You're going to have those things where where there's coaching going on, and I think this was a unique situation where you know it kind of was very obvious <laughs> that there was there was coaching going on and the need for coaching, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it, and Shaka called it out right, and and you could see it with your own eyeballs, um, you know, and and again, if we're calling out you know, obvious things like that. It's not to be critical of a player in terms of like, hey, this person is garbage, but it's like, hey, here's something that maybe change. Um, right. And, you know, and we clearly he's he's done that, right? Yeah, we try to be fair on this podcast. I mean, Grant, we are talking about mostly teenagers, 20, 21-year-olds who – are mostly just playing for scholarships. I know NIL is a thing now, but they're not getting rich off of it or anything. So when it comes to being critical, we definitely focus on the coaching more often than not. But we're also not going to sit here and say every player on this team is great and everything is perfect because, man, that would be a really boring podcast and also lying. No matter what your team you're talking about, whether you're talking about Marquette or whether you're talking about Duke or Kansas or Kentucky, there's always things you could break down and critique, and that's kind of what we try to do on the podcast. And yeah, among the things that have been maybe on the negative side recently is team shooting overall has has not been very good, um, but it, it is getting better. Uh, and yes, Cam's shot selection did stand out in the first few games. And also the depth behind Oso. Now, Oso Iguodaro has been great in the middle, but I do feel that there's almost some pressure on Shaka to play Oso 32, 34, 36 minutes a game because I think the depth behind him is is lacking. Because when Oso's in foul trouble or when he just needs a break, you essentially have to go small. I mean, Ben Gold offers you a little bit, but I, I don't know if he offers you... A lot, especially against a tough opponent, like especially the opponents Marquette's about to face this week. Yeah, well, I, I agree with that. I mean, you do have because you know the two most obvious. If you're just looking at length and and body type, right? The two most obvious natural backups to Oso Iguodaro are uh, Omax Prosper and and Ben Gold. And you mentioned Ben Gold. He's he's got talent. He's just really raw, right? He's a freshman. Mm-hmm. The, the issue with Omax kind of taking Oso's backup minutes is that Omax has a, you know, not to go full taken, but he has a particular set of skills um, yes. that, that are kind of wasted in the post, especially defensively, right? I mean, he's been, he's been proven to be a really effective um, perimeter defender, um, yes, you know, and and so if you take him out of that spot, now you've got to have other people defending the perimeter that you might not otherwise want. You can't do your pressure defense. You can't do these sorts of things. Um, so taking Oso out of the game um, is necessary, but it's it's probably the most, I'll say, the most negative impact of anything you can do with this roster is is have Oso not in the game. 
Um, and I think, quite frankly, maybe we didn't make as big a deal of it as we needed to, right? Like, there is no replacing Oso. And if he is in foul yeah. trouble or ever injured, this team is in a world of hurt. Yeah, and you know, I think Ben Gold gives good effort defensively. Right. I, he, I think he does just get he does get beat up a little, and uh, maybe his feet are a little slow. So if you've got a big guy who can move a little bit, he's probably going to get by Ben. So and then uh, Zach Reitzel, who's probably more of a three four, I guess, but he's been hurt and has barely been able to contribute. Really, we really don't know what he brings yet. Honestly, he's still kind of a mystery. And Atijere is obviously just a project because even in some of these games that have been. 20 point differentials in the second half he still isn't getting into the game until like just basically just before the walk-ons right like uh to get a tijere in the game it's like a couple minutes of a tijere and then a, here come the walk-ons like he doesn't get many minutes with uh even the second or third team um so that just kind of tells you where he is as far as development how close to co- how comfortable the coaching staff is with a tijere at this point so yeah uh at some point, I'm sure there will be a game this year when Oso was just in f- horrible foul trouble and Marquette could be in a world of hurt in that game, whoever the opponent is, because there's not many cupcakes left on this schedule. So, But the thing is, when Oso's been in there, he has been great. And uh, like not just um, the things you normally expect out of a big man, just the, the, you know, the footwork in the post and uh, the rebounding and shot blocking. His passing is fantastic. It really is for a big man. And that is something that... You know, pro scouts have got to be looking at, saying, "Man, you can run an offense through this guy, and if if he just ever adds a little bit of a jumper, um, he will get a shot in the NBA." I really think that it's just that that jumper is just he. It maybe he has it. He just hasn't had a chance to show it in for a Marquette team for a Marquette game. But I think that's just like the last piece for Oso to being a, a legit pro prospect. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, I think let, let's be honest. He's, he's, I think he's a pro prospect now. Like I would not be surprised at all if he declares after this season, right? Like if the season goes well, he's, he stays healthy, etc. I think he's going to be able to put enough out there that, that teams will be intrigued by him and developing, you know, some sort of five, you know, five to ten foot range around the basket even if he doesn't have it now that's something that can be relatively easily developed once you're like getting to practice you know for money um you know so so i think he'll develop at that i i certainly think you know the couple of times we've seen him further from the basket try a hook stuff like that i think that is definitely a work in progress so i wouldn't count on him developing that offense um, this season, but but I he is all around our most important piece on this team, and and yeah, he, indispensable, know. right, right, yeah. Like Marquette needs him to be good to great if they're going to be uh, beating tough teams as they uh, start playing power. So a few more power conference teams coming up, and then as they enter uh, Big East play. So uh, you know, and the numbers may not bear it out, but I, I do continue to be. Mostly impressed with the freshman overall. Sean Jones's energy is great. Um, you know his some of his wizardry around the basket in traffic. That the, some of the buckets he's able to finish are very impressive. And, and Chase Ross, it, it, he's just a reliable he, three and D guy off the bench. He's earned his spot in the rotation. Uh, like I don't know if he'll ever, at least not this not this season, like win a game for you necessarily. But he's a guy who will be an important piece to spell the starters and 
make sure you don't lose much when the starters need a rest or starters get in foul trouble. He has earned his rotation spot, so I, I've been impressed with him. So I think those are some pretty good pieces to, to keep building on, and it's good to have the depth in the backcourt there when you, when you may not have quite as much in the front court. Yeah, I agree. I, and I think, you know, one of the things that, that we kind of need to remind ourselves of is we talked about this season as really being, you know, there, there's an opportunity for the season to be solid, but this is, if nothing else, a preparation for next year when this team absolutely should take a huge step forward, both with talent coming onto the roster talent that's clearly already there and developing, you know, if you get Oso Iguodaro sticking around for his senior year, that these sorts of things next year is the year where you go holy crow, we should do some things but I think right. what we're seeing out of Chase and Sean and to a, a lesser extent but still uh, a Ben Gold is, is that they belong on this roster and they will develop this season and they will be able to put in solid minutes next season for sure. So I've been, I've been really pleased with that. I think what's going to be, uh, you know, certainly I think when we'll talk about Baylor in, here in a little bit, but I, I think, you know, during the, the, the Baylor game and, and certainly during some of the Big East play, because, who boy, some of the Big East, we, <laughs> we're going to have to talk about that. Um, yeah, but, but speaking but, of things we've learned, yes, but yes go on. Yes, um, it has been a revelation uh, these last couple of weeks around the Big East. But I think Shaka is going to have to shorten the roster a little bit, right? So I, I think Chase and Sean and Ben will get minutes, but they're going to be, you know, more discern discerning minutes, and they're going to be more more. Um, <clears throat> specific and and well chosen versus you know hey it's chicago state we can we can run chase sean and ben plus a couple other players for you know for five minutes at a time or something like that you're not going to yep. see you know lineups with three freshmen or or quite frankly probably even with two freshmen freshmen all that often as we get to the meat of the of the schedule yeah we didn't see it a ton but i thought it was interesting that shaka did try Oso and Ben Gold together a couple times yeah. last week. Uh, like I don't know if that's something we're going to see a lot, or maybe it was just a situation where all right, we got a double-digit lead. I'm curious. We've tried this in practice. Let's try it in a game. And uh, I don't know how it felt. Like, did, did that anything stand out about that to you? Uh, the the one there was there was one one span where where it was Ben Gold, Oso Iguodaro, and Omax, and I I am. In a basketball sense, wildly intrigued by that lineup. Um, I just think kind of the the Swiss Army knife of all of those players. Plus, you know, if you put in say a, a Stevie Mitchell and a, a Tyler Kolick, you could really do some things. But that lineup is impossible simply because you cannot play all of your height at once. Just from a right. from a foul and a rest standpoint, because what are you going to do? Go with the all six five and lower <laughs> lineup? You know, when you when you need to rest those those guys. So. I think it's an intriguing experiment. I, I like it conceptually. Um, I just don't think we're going to be able to do it during, you know, I'll say, quote-unquote, real games because there's there's too much need 
um, for one to back up the other. I, th- I thought it was good, but I yeah. just don't think we're going to. I, I thought it was worth a shot. And there may be a situation where you need a rebound or something, or maybe a, you're playing a team with two guys who are six ten, and you just want to try something different. It was just I just that just jumped out to me as uh, intriguing that they, he did. Uh, Shaka did try that a little bit last week in, in uh, two games. I think we saw it in Georgia Tech and in Chicago State game. Yep. So curious about that. Uh, anything else we learned uh, last week that you want to touch on? We kind of hinted at it a minute ago as far as maybe some separation in the Big East. Who uh, boy. Um, Villanova took it on the chin. Uh, they might be bad right now. Yeah. Um, now, they, like, I don't want to dive and make this a Villanova podcast, but, uh, you know, I would still be a little patient with them as far as. Uh, they are waiting on Cam Whitmore, their five-star freshman, to come back, and they are hoping to have Justin Moore, but I don't know what you're going to expect from Justin Moore coming off a torn Achilles. But in as much as I like Cam Whitmore, I don't know if he is a turn a struggling team into a Big East title contender type player. I don't know if he's that good. Like I don't know if he's that much of a he's, – he's good and he could be a one-and-done, but, man, Nova is hurting. Creighton – you know, I think we've had some pushback within our little Marquette chat about how good Creighton actually is. I think we got to give it to them right now that they're actually looking pretty darn good. They're in number seven in the latest AP poll. UConn is number eight. Um, anything else uh, on that or anything else you learned about other teams or teams Marquette be facing very soon, Phil, that we learned last week? I mean, Georgetown should probably be 37th in the Big East. But, I, I mean, I think we knew that, but, like, now yeah. we know it, right? Um, yeah. But but I think it's going to be. I think what's what's becoming very very clear is there are tiers, right? You know, UConn, Creighton, um, draw line. Yeah, like bright red line, uh, and then you know the rest of the ba- the Big East in some sort of semblance or order, right? I still think the Big East is going to be one of those chaotic kind of, depending on how teams develop, you know, if Nova, you know, Nova Whitmore coming back, I think you're right. He's not going to save a season because, you know, he's a great guard, but, but Nova's problem is not that they're one great guard short. They're like three guards short, um, yeah. you know, so like Whitmore, Whitmore can't, can't play uh, multiple guard positions simultaneously. So, you know, I think Nova maybe returns more to the middle, right? And I I don't know that they're as bad as they look right now. Um, You know, DePaul is who we thought they were. Like, I I, I think the St. John's, like, oh, St. John's is 7-0. Is St. John's back? Talk is, like, cute. But, like, I I, I don't think it's, like, meaningful or, or, like really gonna be anything because i mean they haven't they haven't faced anyone in the top 75 at all this season so yeah their wins nebraska temple syracuse uh over the last week or so yeah i mean i mean it's better to win those games than lose them but yeah there's definitely a contingent because there's so many sports writers from the greater new york area like maybe every year it's like maybe this is the year i feel like st john's is every year the team that could take the leap but doesn't take the leap right uh, uh but and then xavier's good i think xavier will be fine um the, i think they're at the top of that next tier i think it's creighton yukon line xavier gonna still give nova benefit of doubt that they are gonna bounce back a little bit um 
but yeah, I think Marquette can compete with everybody else after that hmm. and, and get hopefully middle of the league. I, I think it's realistic, but I mean, they got some growing to do, of course, but there's no one in the Big East I would say that Marquette can't beat. Like, there are right. some years where you look at the Jay Wright's best Villanova teams, some of Chris Mack's best Xavier teams. You just look at, like, all right, that's a level above us. Like, we can't get there. Um, I, I don't think there's that big a gap between Marquette and the top of the Big East. Now, there's some clearly some teams better. Don't get me wrong. There are clearly a handful of teams that are better than Marquette. But no one that is so much better that you can't bring them into the five serve form and say, all right, we're going to beat these guys today. Right. Right. Well, and, and I think, you know, so one, again, that, that Purdue loss and as frustrating as it is that, that we were nominally in control of that game and should have won, you know, Mar- Marquette challenged, I think Purdue's shaping up to look like a, like a, you know, a top 15 team, if not a top 10 team. Right. Um, they are number five in the latest AP poll. Right. So, you know, and, and and so you 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 play a, a top ten team on the road and and you know have a lead in the in the last seven minutes and and only lose by five though there was there's some voodoo there at the end um, that that tells you you've got some staying power. The other thing, and this is more the negative side. I think the other thing that's really becoming obvious is you know team bubble watch is probably going to be back because. I don't think Love Big it. East is going to have more than a three or four bid league. Like this is yeah, going to would... be one of the weakest Big East in years. Yeah, I hate to agree with you there, but I do. Uh, like, you always hope that this that the Big East can get six, seven teams in, with maybe an eighth scratching in the you know the back half of the bubble. But I don't see it being anywhere near there right now. Uh, yeah, they're yeah three. Three or four, I feel confident saying four. Like I, I, Creighton's going to get there, UConn's going to get there, Xavier, and there will be one more at least. But man, to hope that more than half the league gets in right now, I cannot see it. Yeah, I mean, I, there, I, I, you know, we've well, we've seen pretty routinely five, five, six bids out of the Big East. Now there, there have to be bids, right? Um, so you know, there's an argument that other leagues maybe are down as well. Maybe it's parity, whatever. But I just I don't see any scenario based on what we've seen so so far seven or eight games into the season, where the where the Big East gets more than five at most, right? Like it's going to yeah. be. I, I if I had to put money on it, I would say the Big East gets four teams, and that's it. Yes, yeah, so we're going to set the over under at four and a half and see what happens. Right, right. I'll take the under. Thank you. Yeah, I hope. I hope we can get take the over. Still, we still need this league to be strong, especially as TV contracts start <laughs> running up, yes. and running out, and, and renewals start coming up. But maybe that's a topic for another day. So let's look at the week ahead. You know, there, based on what we've seen from Marquette recently, there are two ways to look at this next game. Uh, Baylor coming in. One way, if you want to be the pessimist side, it's just brace yourself for a beating. The optimist way to look at it is what an opportunity to if you if you're really kicking yourself over the Purdue or Mississippi State losses you can make up for both of them with one game correct if you can pull this one off uh with Baylor is number six in the latest AP poll Baylor is a top eight team on Ken Palm they have the number two offense in the country on Ken Palm top uh, they're 43rd overall defensively, so just a touch better, but right around the same level defensively as Marquette. They are an excellent 
team as far as effective field goal percentage. They don't turn the ball over. Pretty good three-pointing shoot three-point shooting team excellent getting in the paint they're number six in the country at two-point field goal percentage they have a five-star freshman in Keontae George who is almost certainly going to be a lottery pick they've got talent and experience up and down the roster Phil are you scared yet do I need to keep going this is a team that won the national championship two years ago probably could have been in the final four again last year if it had to been for some injuries that hit them at the wrong time as they entered the tournament this is a great team like and I it, I hope we have a packed Pfizer forum to support Marquette against these guys because as great as they are, the spread is not huge. Um, Ken Palm only has it as a six-point game. I saw the Vegas line today was five and a half in favor of Baylor. So it's not like Mar- is like the metrics are saying Marquette's going to get destroyed in this game. I hope they don't, and that could still happen, of course, because it's it's Baylor. It's a great team with a very good coach and uh, like I said, NBA talent. But I mean. Th- Hopefully they can hang with these guys, but what concerns you most about Baylor? Well, I, I think the the one of the things that, that concerns me about Baylor is just how many threes they shoot and how good they are at shooting them, right? Like, it's, it's a game where if Baylor is hot and hitting and Marquette is a step slow in, in, in covering – or, or they can't speed Baylor up, you know, with the, the, the pressure defense, that Baylor could hit a flurry of shots and Marquette could be out, you know, in kind of a blink of an eye, right? Um, I think that's the biggest concern. I think on paper, I actually think Marquette matches up fairly decently, right? Like, I, I honestly, if this game was played 10 times, I'm, I'm sure seven times out of ten Baylor would win but there is a there is an opening for Marquette to, to to win this game I think which we can dive into but what scares you the most about Baylor everything <laughs> <laughs> but no it, it is their offense the it, I mean you touched on the shooting but just how efficient they are both two-point percentage and three-point percentage that they have so many guys who can get a bucket Keontae George is Unbelievable! I got a good look at him here in Dallas a few years ago when he was a before he transferred to IMG Academy. Uh, great player uh, who can just affect the game with his shooting and his ability to get to the basket. Um, L.J. Cryer is a great college point guard. I don't know what his pro prospects are, but he is. Uh, I mean, he can shoot the ball. He can handle it. He can distribute. Um, Flagler is a great guard for them. Uh, and then they have size in the middle. So, I mean, Flo Thamba, who I, every time I hear it, I think it's like somebody mispronouncing Mo Bamba. But it's Flo Thamba is their big guy. He's 6'10, so size wise, he's not Does he sell progressive fine. insurance? I <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he should. And that would I be a great opportunity. NI, free opportunity. Free idea for you, progressive. Uh, get Flo Thamba out there selling progressive insurance. But. Back to the topic at hand. It like they're they're just how explosive their offense is, and like you said, Phil, their uh, you know their defense is good enough. It, it may not be as good as Mississippi State's, but it's not like it's that much different. And when you saw what Mississippi State's defense did to frustrate Marquette's offense, and then you add on top of that what an excellent shooting team and an excellent offensive team they are, yeah, I, like you said a minute ago, you could blink your eye and be down 15 points to this team, like. The game could start and like, oh crap, it's twenty to five. <laughs> like, and it's like, well, we what are we gonna do now? And so I, 
there al- there's always the concern that yeah they could start hot and take the crowd out of it very quickly, which is the last thing you want to happen when you get a game like this in your gym. So I I I, I just hope that Marquette can withstand some early punches, get the crowd believing early. Like you just jump out to like a nice early lead, even if it's not much. Like say if, you know you get to the under twelve timeout and you're up two points. Like people start like all right, we're in this game. Like let's get fired up. Let's get another beer. Let's. Make right. sure people are watching on television, right? And I, I hope the crowd is into it from the opening tip all the way to the final horn, and um, that Baylor is not able to just explode out of the gates and really suck the life out of the Fiserv early. That's that's my that's my nightmare scenario for this game. Well, and and it should be. I mean, if you think about it, like I'm sure Baylor fans travel well, but like this, eh, it, I don't know. I mean, they're. They're kind of a. It's not like they're a huge school. I'm right. sure they have fans, but it's not like they're like Texas or Kansas. Right, right. But but the point I'm making is, it's not like there's going to be an overwhelming number of Baylor fans there, right? Like that is going to be a yeah. very pro Marquette crowd. So if you can, oh get sure, the, sure. You know, if you can get the crowd into it, and again, people, please go buy tickets. There are tickle. There yes. are plenty. There are good seats still available. Um, you know, go buy tickets. Go come to the game. See an exciting game. It's you know when when are you going to see a top top ten team in the in the five serve? Um, maybe not again the rest of this regular season, right? Um, uh, well, yeah. Creighton maybe. Um, yeah, Creighton might be a top ten team when they come. Yeah. Hey, UConn's a top ten team right now. We'll see if they stay there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, but but in the non-con then at, at a minimum. Yeah, right? like you never see it's. Re- I can't. I have to look it up. I'm sure somebody put it out there. I'm trying to think the last time a top Arizona it probably was Wisconsin. If was probably was Wisconsin when they were really good when the last time a top 10 non-con uh, team came to the fight came to Milwaukee I mean wasn't there was a there was an Arizona when was it Arizona that we played anyway we yeah, did, I have to look it up yeah we'd have to look it up but but here's the thing like with Baylor again the worst case scenario is definitely on the table like there is an opportunity where where the doors get blown off from the from the jump and, and Marquette, you know, it's North Carolina and the NCAA tournament all over again. Right. Um, that, that's certainly a possibility, but there is, there is a path to Marquette, you know, a, a best case scenario winning, but definitely hanging with this team. I mean, the, the Baylor team is very talented, but they, they play a predominant number of their minutes with six to seven players, right? Like, if you look at their minutes, minutes distribution, you know, six of their players get more than 50% of the minutes uh, collectively. So so they've, they've got a concentration. They are senior-laden, so they're not going to be that, you know, they're not going to get flustered or anything like that. Um, but if Marquette's pressure can speed Baylor up a little bit, maybe turn them over a little bit, if Marquette can hit, because Baylor's defense, while good, um, is is really not great at three. The, the one thing that Baylor is really good at, shooting threes, they're not really great at defending them. Um, you know, so if Marquette can hit some shots, you know, if we get a jop wagon, kind of come at going going a little nutty or cam jones is 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 kind of reverting back to his shooting form of of last season or or kind of goes on a heater there is a path to success for this team um you know i think, oh yeah absolutely you know i think they're gonna if they're gonna win or keep this game close i think it's gonna be more of a shootout type than it is gonna be you know some sort of rock fight a la mississippi state 
No, I, I certainly think is uh, even though we have touched on like how Marquette has struggled shooting the ball, there's so much potential that they could get hot because there are guys who have shown that they can hit shots, like Joplin, like Cam. And Kolek is shooting, what, 45% now for three yes. this year? So there is potential that they could get hot. So, yeah, like if you're going into this game thinking there is no hope, I think you're really selling this team short. Yes, they have two losses on the year, but it's not like they've gone out and embarrassed themselves at all, right? It, it, it was a five-point loss to a team that's ranked in the top five and just a rock fight against a great defensive team. And yeah, the Chicago State game was not impressive, but I think everyone is allowed a stinker of a game in that every now and then. So let's... Uh, well, I, yeah. I mean, let's, yeah, it's it's tough to refocus against a low-level team like that coming off of Thanksgiving and, and having played yeah. a tough stretch of games and looking ahead to Baylor, like, I take nothing away from that game other than they did what they needed to do to make it the Kempom numbers look it. okay, right? But, yeah. By the way, all right, something I do have to bring up because I was just glancing at it and how soon we forget. What if I told you two top ten teams came to Mark, came to Milwaukee last season? Oh, UCLA. UCLA and Illinois was ranked number oh, 10 yeah, when Marquette right. played them. Right. And actually, the year before that, how soon we forget that Justin Lewis tip-in winner over Wisconsin? Yeah. Wisconsin was ranked fourth in the was ranked fourth in the country when that happened. They were? Shut up. I don't fourth. remember that. Oh my god. I blo- yeah, I, I remember them being out. ranked. I I don't remember them being ranked that high. But yeah, Wisconsin was ranked fourth in the country. Oh my god. So, top 10 teams in the Fiserv have happened recently, <laughs> but they don't happen a ton. And yes. this is a uh, thing is no one was allowed at that Wisconsin game. That was a that was a COVID year, so it was an Correct. empty arena. But still, yes, there were top ten teams here uh, a year ago, and I think we had some pretty good. That was the infamous uh, Bucks Court game yes. against Illinois, <laughs> like when Cole uh, got the someone, turnover at the. Spilled a beer on the uh, the Marquette Court or something. Oh, uh, do we ever get the story on what that was? We did not like, get the what story. Happened? I I continue because to I, maintain that that somebody. Poured a bunch of champagne on on the court when the Bucks were celebrating their uh, see their NBA the story championship. The story I like to go with, and again, this is me just totally making this up. To be clear, but it, it totally makes sense. Remember, the Bucks had that get that uh, giveaway last year. Own a piece of the championship court. Come yes. to a game. Yes, I I think somebody cut up the wrong court. <laughs> oh my god, that would be that that. No, I. That's like that's the like better story. The court was just like stacked somewhere behind the five serve, and they said, "Oh yeah, it's back there." Okay, this one must be this one. And so it was stacked. So it's not like you can look at it and say, "Oh, this is a Marquette court." Somebody just like, maybe just took an uh, an axe to it, or you know, a saw or whatever they use, and then after like one cut, they said, "Wait, this is gold. This isn't bucks." Oh crap! Well, that is my fake story that I'm making up of what happened to Marquette's court. And, last and year. you could well actually here's here's how I would addendum addendum that story because I I agree with the the story conceit. Um, I would say what they actually wanted to do was be able to sell more pieces of the quote unquote championship court. So they cut up the Marquette court because you're going to get pieces that don't have any. Tape or oh uh, yeah, so it's just, it just a it's, yeah, it's, it's just a just a brand piece of brown wood. Oh yeah, of course this is from the correct because they were like we want to sell you know so of course the uh, the tight fisted owners of the Bucks were like yeah we want to sell more just cut up that Marquette court it'll be fine no one will notice yeah I buy that but we're just making up conspiracy theories here on this podcast I love it yeah we did what, our where own else research. can you get I mean I, I I would say where else can you get nonsense like this but of course the answer is scoop. <laughs> 
Right. The the answer is literally the internet. Yes, but anyway, so uh, moving on. So to sum up our thoughts on the Baylor game, number one, if you can, go to the game. If you're in the greater Milwaukee area, northern Illinois, on a Tuesday night, Get up there and pack that arena because this team needs you there. They are worth watching, I assure you. They're fu- they're young, they're fun, they're exciting. There's some really good players. Almost all of them should be back next year. Um, and so, like, this is, yes, a building year, but this team is better than you think it is. And I think they will give Baylor a good game, and a packed house will help them there. But as far as the game itself, Phil, I am hopeful and optimistic of a good effort from Marquette because, again, their defense has been good in almost every game. Maybe a little sleepy the the game after Thanksgiving, but for the most part, their defense has given them a chance in every game, including against Purdue. I think their defense will give them a chance in this game, but I think Baylor's offense is just so explosive, I think it's going to come up a few points short. Yeah, so, I mean, there's no consequences if I predict a Marquette win. But I, I think I feel like that's that's unfair because I don't you know like I said I think seven or eight times out of ten if this game is played in, in Milwaukee under these conditions I think Baylor wins I think there's a pass yes. to a Marquette win I think Marquette will at least maybe the final score may not reflect of it reflect it because of nonsense in the final forty seconds or something like this that but I think this is going to be a game where in the last minute or so Marquette is within two possessions um, and yeah. is and is you know trying to to close the gap or something like that I think that I think that's like my realistic hope for the game is that at the under four timeout when we're coming out of the under four timeout Marquette is in the game and the crowd is into it and like let's finish this we right. got them like we we are in this game let's get a st- couple stops get a couple buckets and we can win the game yes. that's where I hope it is right and, on and Tuesday night I, I agree now that does beg a question a little bit going back towards the what have we learned so let's let's pretend there's a scenario Marquette's down to 29 seconds left on the clock who on this roster is getting that final look. Well, I, I suppose the cop-out answer is the hot hand. But, right. uh, um, like, and I'll say that because if Joplin has one of his good games, I kind of want it in his hands. Because when he is feeling it, he has been money this year. It's just he was so quiet last week, I just don't think I, think I can go with him. Quite frankly, right now, I think I want the ball in Tyler Kolick's hands, and I do trust him to make the right play, whether it's – getting it to Iguodaro, finding Cam Jones, or pulling up and taking the shot himself. I think he's starting to earn that respect for me anyway, and I I, I hope from Shaka. He probably has always had it from Shaka, but I think I do trust him to make the right play late in the game, that whether it's pulling up on his own, driving to the basket, or uh, creating for somebody else. So I want the ball in Kolek's hands. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think, and it's a bit of a trick question because I think the answer is going to be Cam Jones is going to take the shot because, you know, that's that's kind of what what happens. But uh, no, I I agree that that Tyler is the player to to kind of make the call, right? Like he's shown ability uh, to get to the hoop, get a get a tough shot up. Still isn't getting fouled a lot. Like isn't generating contact. But you know, hey, let's not nitpick too much here. Um, so I think it's going to be clear that whatever it is, Tyler is going to create it. I think more than likely somebody else scores it. Um, but he's he's certainly going to be the one that's going to generate the look that whoever scores it, hopefully scores it to win, actually takes. 
All right, so we got our takes on the Baylor game. Uh, I suppose there's another game we should talk about this week, Phil. There is. Marquette plays the rival Wisconsin Badgers Badger on hate Saturday, week. December. <laughs> the Saturdays. Every week is Badger Hate Week for some of us. But uh, it, Wisconsin is com, uh, currently, as we're recording this, is 5-1. and one. They do have a game against Wake Forest on Tuesday. So if they win that, they will come to Milwaukee at 6-1 and one on the season. Uh, Ken Palm has this as a tight game. Essentially a toss-up that has Marquette as a... Interesting. If you go to Wisconsin's page, it says Marquette is a two-point favorite. If you go to Marquette's page, it says Marquette is a one-point favorite. So let's call it a one-and-a-half-point spread for Marquette against uh, Wisconsin in Marquette's favor. So Marquette is, again, according to Ken Palm, a slight favorite against Wisconsin. Wisconsin uh, had a good run at the – they were in the Bahamas. Uh, the battle their for MTE. Atlantis. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so they beat Dayton in a – Whew, a 43-42 beauty of a game. Oh, yeah. Then they should have beaten Kansas. Uh, one of the shots of the year, quite frankly, allowed Kansas to squeak out that game. If you didn't see that shot, go back oh, and look at how the Kansas-Wisconsin game ended. Whew. Uh, that was a wild finish. And then they uh, wrapped up in, uh, with a third-place game and defeated USC. So they, uh, again, at the time we're recording this, they are number 40 in Ken Palm, so a few notches higher. Also have an elite defense, 12th in the country. So... That obviously is the first red flag for me that they have the defense that could really fluster Marquette's offense. Um, a lot of the names here are kind of new to us, Phil. Like like some of the usual suspects that have frustrated in the past. Most of them have moved on. Most of them have graduated. But some guys you probably remember. Of course, Chucky Hepburn's been there. A few, he was there last year. Uh, Stephen Crowell has had a good season for them so far. The guy that the new guy is honestly. I'm not sure. Is it Essigen? Connor Essigen, the shooting guard, I the freshman. I think he, so. He, yeah. Yeah. Like he's their new classic he has the, Wisconsin the, the look, player. Yeah, he has the look of a Wisconsin player that Marquette fans are going to hate for many years. Yes. Let's just put it like that. He just has that look, like that Brad Davison kind of look to him. He's going to be frustrating because he's he's good. He, he played really well against Kansas. He really did. I mean, he's shooting 50, 54% from three on the young season, 13 to 24. Uh, so I'm sure you have been forced to watch a few Badger games this year, Phil. Um, what? How do you size up the matchup between Marquette and Wisconsin this season? So, again, um, not to, and actually worse than the Baylor game, I mean, Wisconsin does not have a deep bench. Now, it, it's not as big a deal for them because they they play so few possessions, but I think you even saw it in the in the Kansas game and, and the, 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 the commentators were talking about it. Tyler Wall was just spent because he was, I think he played like 38 minutes, 39 minutes in that in that game, etc. So they play, four of their players on their roster play at least 75% of the minutes. Um, so, you know, so they, they're not super deep yet. Um, they are the most prototypical Wisconsin game I've, our team I've, I've seen. Like, this is, this is like heyday of of the Grinch type uh, type Wisconsin basketball here, um, so I think it'll be interesting. It'll I, as as is typical. It'll be a very contrasting styles. We'll see if if Marquette's press speeds Wisconsin up at all. Does it does it tire them out? Does it you know grind on Chucky Hepburn? Um, their defense has been very good. They're very disciplined. 
a fair amount of length. So I think Marquette's going to find difficulty in um, in set you know set pieces, so to speak. I think if they're playing a lot of half court offense, I think that's what Wisconsin wants. So I think it's going to the key is going to be does the pressure get to Wisconsin at all? Do they do they kind of get rushed? And or can Marquette turn Wisconsin over at all or generate fast breaks off rebounds, those types of things? Because I think um, I think Marquette's going to struggle in the half court against against Wisconsin, quite frankly. The uh, the the tempo you mentioned, you could not be more right about that. I mean, Wisconsin. Three hundred twenty fifth in the country in tempo, Marquette 17th, so Marquette like complete opposite ends of the spectrum there. Marquette wants to play fast, have quick possessions. Uh, they want to run. They want to get fast break points. Wisconsin, as you said, they want to play in the half court. They want. They would love for this game to be in the 50s, if not lower. Marquette would love for this thing to get to the 70s. They uh, Looking at uh, Wisconsin's Ken Palm stats, but one thing that jumps out to me is a big red. They don't get a lot of points in the paint, a lot of, po- of two-point shots. Uh, they're their two-point percentage is 351st in the country. So not very good in the paint, which usually they do have a good big man who can uh, get a lot of easy buckets, or at least well, last year it was Johnny Davis who could drive to the rack and, and get points. Thankfully, he's it. Now, Jordan Davis is still here, but he's not Johnny. Um, so hopefully that trend continues and all their def- all their shots have to be maybe from the perimeter. Now, they're a decent but not elite three-point shooting team. They shoot in they're shooting 34.8% from the floor. Uh, that ranks them 128th in the country. Because compared to Marquette, they shoot 31.8 from three. So they're 230. So Wisconsin, definitely much better shooting team from the perimeter. So I think, for me, Phil, it's got to be on the Marquette guards on the perimeter to cause some havoc, um, force bad shots on the perimeter. and Because it doesn't seem like Wisconsin is a team that's going to get in the paint a lot whether it's driving to the basket or getting to their big men. Well, and, and this is where, you know, we talked about Oso Iguodaro being so key is, is, you know, him being able to guard on the perimeter, prevent drives, you know, kind of Wisconsin loves to invert, right, have their big men trigger, uh, the, trigger the ball for, for backdoor cuts, that sort of thing. So I think Marquette can limit Wisconsin's success in terms of, of scoring offense, I you know Wisconsin will will shoot some threes. To to your point, that's kind of their strength. Um, but I think Marquette's going to be able to limit what Wisconsin can do offensively. It's it's going to be a question of does Marquette end up being you know getting down to that rock fight level with Wisconsin because that's where you know it's kind of like. Uh, they say, don't get in a fight with an idiot. They'll drag you down to their level and, and beat you with experience. Don't get in a rock fight with Wisconsin because that's exactly where they want to be. So that's yeah. that's going to be the thing is we can slow Wisconsin's offense. I have no doubt about that. But can we generate enough offense of our own? Team? Yeah, like that's that the issue we were talking about earlier in the show, Phil, is that those grinded out possessions where Marquette is desperately going to need a basket can they get it? Because they didn't get it when they needed one against Purdue. They didn't get it when they needed one uh, against Mississippi State. There will be stretches in the Wisconsin game when maybe they've gone four, five, six possessions in a row without a field goal. And it's just like, we have got to get a field goal here. We have got to get a bucket. And Wisconsin's going to be locked in defensively. 
can Marquette get that bucket? Who's going to do it and who can step up? That's going to be the question for me is those those half-court possessions. Mm-hmm. Can they get good possessions, get good looks out of those possessions? Because, yeah, when they, turn Mar- when they turn Wisconsin over, they should convert those into buckets. And hopefully Mar- Marquette can get a lot of fast-break points, points off turnovers in that game. And I think that would be a – Sign a great indication that Marquette could win the game against Wisconsin. It's it's going to be those grinded out possessions, particularly near the end, because as much as I would love a, a no doubter easy win against Wisconsin, y- you never get those. Like you, right. you never get those games when it's like you know you would love to have them, but you, you never get a game where it's like we got this so easily, 15, 20 points. That never happens. Right. So there, there's going to be possessions late in this game where, like, we got to get a bucket. And who's going to step it up and have it? So Right. Well, and, and the other thing to keep in mind is while a home game, it's probably going to be closer to a 50-50 split in terms of the crowd, yep. right? Like, let's be honest, there's going to be more than a significant amount of, of Wisconsin fans in the crowd. So, um but listen, I'm doing my part. I'm taking one from the team. I am sending the wife character, noted badger insane person, away. She is going on a girl's trip. So I am I'm, and single, single parenting for this weekend so that I can put a Marquette person in, in the seat that's not in, instead of the wife character. So you're welcome, Marquette. Um, I will accept praise and other you know, implements. I, as we've said before, we are easily bribed. So, you know, if anyone wants to throw something my way, like babysitting or, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll take it. Incredible synergy this week, actually, is Marquette plays Baylor on Tuesday. Then you're sending white, your wife on a girl's trip to Waco, Texas. Texas to Waco, which is, of course, the location of Baylor University, uh, on the day that her alma mater, Wisconsin, plays Marquette. So right. you know, it all kind of lines up. You should, you know, if, if Marquette wins on Tuesday, you should send her like a Marquette shirt to wear around Waco. Oh, well, she has them, and I will. Well, just, yeah. I will make sure to slip one into her luggage. <laughs> that would be crazy. Does she have any Marquette fans going her with her? Uh, yes, she does. She does the. Two out of the three other people going with are Marquette graduates. So, um, oh, there, there you go. There will be enough there. Oh, good to know. Yeah, good to know. So, um, but yeah, uh, again, we, Marquette needs the crowds this week, and hopefully we get a, a lot more blue and gold in there on Saturday than we do red. Operation Visine, keep the red out, and hopefully it is a loud. It's going to be a loud, raucous crowd. Hopefully more in Marquette's favor as much as possible because they're going to need it because it's going to be a tough one. But I do think they can beat Wisconsin, absolutely can beat Wisconsin. And because while Wisconsin has been off to a pretty good start this year, they played incredibly well against Kansas and they got a nice win over USC. Um, You say the the path to victory against Baylor, there is certainly a clear path to victory against Wisconsin, and it is turning them over and uh, getting them out of their rhythm and just riding the momentum of the home crowd. And I think the big thing for me, Phil, is don't let Baylor beat you twice. And by that I mean whether you get your heart ripped out in a close game or you get blown out you got to shake it off and right. focus for Wisconsin, which which really shouldn't be an issue for a rivalry game. Granted, most of you know Marquette's roster really isn't – they're not 
from Wisconsin, so it's not like they grew up with the rivalry or that familiar with it, but they feel the energy from all the fellow students, from local media. They know it's an important game. They know it's a big deal. Uh, so you they'll know be Tyler Kolick is in full effort mode for that, effort oh, mode for, oh. for Wisconsin. No doubt it. Yeah. He will be the one who will be dancing to jump around late in the game if Marquette's winning. Yes. Well, absolutely. <laughs> he, he, he will he will do that, and that's what we love about him. So, yeah, I, I, I am going to say, look, if I make a prediction for Saturday, I'm saying Marquette is going to win the game. Will it be pretty? No, but it's never supposed to be. It's always going to be tough against uh, the Badgers. And granted, while many think they are taking a step back this year considering what they lost from a year ago, when was the last time Wisconsin was truly bad, honestly? Right. Like, when was the last time they were, like, really bad or just not good at all? They're always in the mix in the Big Ten. So this is a game you got to win. Um, it would be a nice one to add to the resume. Depending on what happens against Baylor, it could be your best win of the non-con. So you got to get it. So I'm saying they get a win on Saturday against the Badgers. Yeah, I, I, I mean, not only because it's a rivalry, but, but also because I think it is we've winnable. And quite frankly... Um, quite frankly, this is a must-win game, right? Regardless of it being Wisconsin or not, just a team of this caliber coming into your house. They, they lost the opportunity to, to beat Purdue, which would have been huge. They didn't beat Mississippi State. If it's likely that they're going to lose to Baylor, you need one or two feathers to put in your cap. And, and Wisconsin is, is going to have to be one of those feathers. So I think this is a must-win and, and I think they do win. I think they win probably by by five or six, something like that. It'll be a back-and-forth game, but I think I think Marquette should have enough to, to pull away a little bit late. I hope you're right. And I think uh, I think they will. Got to keep you got you got to stay positive with this young team, man. Like just because they've got a a couple a couple of tough losses um, that maybe you think they should have played better. In, uh, against Purdue or Mississippi State, don't give up on this team now, man. There's a lot, there's a lot of season left. There's going to be a lot of growing with this team, and I think it, this is a great week for growth. It's a great week of opportunities playing Baylor and Wisconsin. And if you can get two, that really changes the perspective on the whole season because all right. of a sudden, you, then you've got a great resume, right? Then you've got a really nice resume. But and if you, but if you lose to Baylor and you can beat Wisconsin, you're still treading water and you're still right there, and you've got a lot of opportunities ahead of you. So, absolutely. Um, well, and, and stay positive the- with this team. And, and here's the thing, this, this team is exciting, right? Like, regardless of the, the results on the, uh, on the scoreboard, I think the, yes. the style of play, the type of players they have, this is a fun team to root for, right? They have a def- defensive identity. They have a strong offensive approach. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I, I think this is a great team to... To, to just enjoy watching basketball with, right? Unlike some teams in previous regimes. Um, yeah, there, not, not that long ago, we had teams that were locks for the tournaments and we couldn't wait for the season to be over. Right, right. So, I mean, if nothing else, again, we'll, we'll say for the 75th time, like, get out to the game, enjoy watching the game, spending spending time with the, the team and rooting for the team. Now is, now is the time to come back to the fold, right? Because I think this team long-term is building something and and now's the time to be like hey i was i was there when they started to turn that corner exactly stick with them and you know there have been comments about attendance or whatever and, and getting fans back to the game 
the easiest way to do it is win. <laughs> right. Like, granted, like I, you, you can only do so much, uh, you know, marketing or, or promoting or whatever. And yeah, I know Marquette's doing their best to get fans back and bring them back after COVID and what, you know, retrain those habits of getting out to Fiserv Forum where for two years we were just used to being in our homes all the time and whatever. But winning is the easiest way to get the fans in. Uh, and But as fans, we really can't affect that part. We like we can't make the team win by cheering for them, but it helps. And the, fan, the players feel the support. So if we can get there and be there for them now, then more fans will keep coming in and say, oh, well, I wish I was there. <laughs> I wish I was in the building when they beat Baylor. That seemed kind of cool. Right. So keep supporting this team, and I, and I agree. They will be fun to follow and watch this team grow. And again, look at the roster now. As it is, everyone on the roster is te- could technically be back next year. So you get to know these guys, and you get to be with them and say, oh, man, well, I remember when Kolick was in his first year here. He was pretty good, but now he's awesome. And, like, I, you know, Cam Jones, I didn't know what, who he was when he stepped on campus, and now he's a, one of the league's best scorers. So it's it's fun. I am enjoying following the journey, to your point. it's Even if they win or lose, I am enjoying watching the games much more than I did, say, three, four years ago. Right, right. I'm no, I'm no longer hate watching. I'm in enjoyment yes. watching. And I am, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm rooting to say yes. Let's please overachieve, or it's like you know maybe it's time for a change. I'm glad I don't have to say that anymore. Like I am rooting for them to take steps forward, and this is a great week to take a step forward. So, I think we can wrap it up with that. Was there anything else you wanted to touch on, Phil, before we get out of here for the week? No, I think I think that's enough. Again, you know, poke poke your nearest badger neighbor in the eye, and you know, you know, and remember, Greg Gard punts puppies. And Tyler Wall is a communist. That's you know, that's all there is to say. Red communism, right? It all, it, it all, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. And who needs communism? We cheer for the blue and gold here, and you can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, I'm Joe McCann three. Phil is M Triple O F twenty three at Crack Sidewalks is the team handle. You can go to CrackSidewalks.com. Leave your comments there when we post the podcast. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. That last point is the most important. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so you always get our latest podcasts. And uh, the Scrambled Eggs Facebook page is still a thing as well. Phil, I hope you have a good week. Enjoy the games. Uh, and hopefully you have many of your Marquette brethren there with you at the Fiserv cheering loudly. Yes, there will be. Check out the the Twitter feed. I'm sure I will take some pictures and or have some thoughts from the games both tomorrow night and, and Saturday. So if you can't make it, you can come join with me virtually. Excellent. Everyone have a good week. Let's hopefully get two wins and uh, see if this season can really get exciting. Till next time, seashells and balloons, everybody.